This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Leave things better than you found it. It's a pretty, like, simple, straightforward way to go about your life anywhere. Just leave the place better than you found it. That's the way it was in the Army. If you puke while being smoked, you have to pick it up and put it in your pocket. Well, that sucks. That's a lot different. Yeah, it's, it's That's not all what I'm talking similar, about. Similar, but, you know... <laughs> And we're live. Live. All right. Welcome, welcome, and welcome to episode 17 of the Whiskey and Whitetails podcast, your number one source for news, stories, special guests, and all things related to whiskey sipping and whitetail getting. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I'm Gus. I'm Matt. And we are your hosts. So uh, this episode, uh, we are powered by Elijah Craig. The rye. The rye. Is that barrel proof? What is that? Nope. Just Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. 94 proof. Nice. This is, um, it says the release date was January 2020, but like I've never seen it. And then when I did find it, it was everywhere. I mean, every shelf had tons of it. Weird. The, uh, the response on social media was pretty positive. Yeah. I, um, don't reach out to us to send you bottles, but somebody reached out. <laughs> we had several people reach out to send us bottles. Um, and we had a, a friend that also reached out and I did send him a couple, but, Thanks. um, yeah, apparently, I, I, again, I, I'm not quoting anything, but what I read was that it was only released in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. But this guy's in Texas and no find in Texas. What would be the, the marketing reason to distribute a rye in only those three states? Well, uh, the what I think is that whiskey is synonymous with the South. So if you're going to try something out. Try it in the South, I guess. Yeah. And, um, Fair enough. Maybe they didn't have enough to spread everywhere, so I don't know why they didn't. I mean, Kentucky, you know, as bourbon is probably a waste of time. So you dump it down here and, and see what happens. I don't know. I'm thankful for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> pop this pop this lid. It's already oh, open, nice. so it's not as, as impressive. It was a good one, though. Yeah, it's not bad. Oh, it's big pores today. Oh, my. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Cheers, brother. Don't don't fuck me again. Yeah, my bad. 
While we sip this, hang tight. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. You know, I was so excited. I jumped right to tasting. I didn't even oh, smell did it. Yeah. It's good though. It's, it, you know, it, um, it smells like Elijah Craig, if I'm being honest. I <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine why. What do you think? Yeah. It's very bourbon-y to me. It is. You know, uh, like, Rise are probably second or third on my list of favorites. That's not my number one. But every once in a while, uh, and I'll drink them. Like, they've got no problem buying a bottle of Rise. It's just not my f- favorite. The spicier notes, the some yeah. of the more... Um, black pepper. Yeah, the black pepper. I just got to be in the mood for it, I guess. Yeah. Um, this is good, though. Like, I would drink this on a regular basis. So, it's not... So, it's 51% Rye, which is... Probably why it doesn't. It's not super rye like. And then thirty five percent core, fourteen percent malted barley. No age statement. How much corn? Uh, thirty five. Oh, so it's still pretty heavy on on the sweeter side yeah. of things. Yeah, Heaven Hill, obviously. Uh, Craig Straight Rye, Elijah Craig Straight Rye. Uh, it says uh, it's priced similar to its bourbon counterpart, distinguished by new bottle decoration, face side, and neck labels. I mean, it's I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm getting uh, black pepper. This is an herbal bouquet of summer fruits. I don't. <laughs> so I got citrus. Did you? Yeah, yeah I, I definitely did the first sip. Um, and I wasn't sure. <laughs> I didn't say anything because we just finished a uh, a Corona with lime, and so I wasn't sure if maybe there was a little Corona a little lime in there. I drank lime. some water first, but you know, you never know. Do you get kettle corn? Kettle corn. Like kettle corn popcorn. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> I don't either. That's what I'm reading on here. I don't get that either. Am I even looking at the same? Yeah, that's definitely the right thing. I don't know. It's not bad. It's pretty good for a rye. Pretty good for a rye. Yeah, I drink it. What are our topics today? So today we thought we'd uh, have a little fun and chit-chat about pet peeves. Yeah. Pet peeves uh, associated with whitetail hunting uh, and with drinking whiskey. And if you saw our, if you follow us on Instagram, you saw we asked... Um, Yesterday or a couple of days ago, which would be Tuesday or Wednesday, on your uh, on your pet peeves, and we have some. We're going to go through them and, and um, see what we think. Before we get into that, I want to tell you something that's like burning in my chest. Well, tell me about it because you mentioned something as soon as I got in the house. And yeah, so there's two things. So this is like level. Oh, first of all credentials let me uh read i was was actually let me i wasn't intending on it but let me go ahead and just say this so i got an email from the welcome to stave and thesis dear matt congratulations you've successfully passed the test and you are officially a certified bourbon steward you received a score of 100 percent, which means i got everything right for those that don't know how tests work but (laughs) they don't honestly it wasn't that hard um but you know you gotta sandbag well it's just like our 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 job you got to have the search you got to get the things yeah so now it at least sounds like we know what we're talking about. But I'm doing a little side project. Um, so we, we do whiskey tastings, and we have one next Thursday mm-hmm. at a pretty nice spot. I think they said 12 people are coming, which I didn't even I didn't want more than six. But, you know, money's money. Yeah. But um, it's also cool people are paying to drink with us. But uh, anyway. Paying us to drink. I like it. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good business model. Well, I was saying they're paying to drink with us. They want to drink it because we're smart. Sure. Yeah, I was just joking. Um, 
but I have like a little side piece that I, that I'm working on that's not finished. I'm gonna, I'm not going to get into it fully, but part of it has to do with the history of bourbon and whiskey and moonshine mainly in the United States. And I, and I'm working on a really cool bit and I'll, I'll put it together once it's together and we'll discuss. But one thing I learned today that kind of gives you a hint into what I'm getting ready to talk about um, next week is the history of bourbon and whiskey. So you, you hear things like bourbon County you know right. things like that. Yeah. So these counties. So I started looking into because the one the, th- the main thing I'm working on is is where I'm from. Okay. Because where I'm from was the uh, it was the home of moonshine. Like that's where moonshine was. That's where bootlegging started. Right. Uh, Wilkes County, North Carolina, and um, and I got a lot nice long story about Wilkes County and all this stuff. Sure. But when the thirteen colonies kind of were formed. Everybody kind of, you don't think about it because you don't realize it's because most people don't pay attention to geography or natural history, but the history of it. So Virginia, for instance, was coastal Virginia as we know today, but it's left limit went to the Appalachian mountains. Same thing with North Carolina went to the Appalachian mountains okay. over time. Um, like in the 1770 ish, it went to the, um, the Mississippi river. So that was the, extent of America. And so we know the Louisiana purchase ran from Louisiana up into Canada. Right. And that was owned by the French. Yep. And so today with the border, French Canada is still kind of the same spot, but that Louisiana purchase has become several States. Sure. Um, but what's good to know about that is they were French. So they had French words, French Kings, French, 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 Right, right. which is why Louisiana, specifically new Orleans, there's a bourbon street in new Orleans. You're like, why is it bourbon street? All this stuff. So I started looking at maps of what these places looked like in the 1600s, what they looked like in the 1700s, when the Louisiana Purchase was, and all this stuff. So before the Louisiana Purchase, there was a county that was stretched through Virginia, and it was called Bourbon County. And it was paid homage to a French lord whose last name was Bourbon. So the county was named after this king in France for thanking them for helping to establish America. Same thing with Bourbon Street. So when people talk about bourbon, no one knows where bourbon came from. Elijah Craig, for instance, great episode for us to be drinking this. Elijah Craig uh, claims to be the father of bourbon. You know, there's a, there's several stories of people that invented it. And and the truth is nobody knows. Right. But the name bourbon, where that actually came from, is French. It was a French lord or a king, or I think he was a king. Yeah. But they had name stuff after him. So Bourbon Street and Bourbon County, same guy. Last name is Bourbon. Got it, okay. So that's actually where the name came from. That's not necessarily the process for how bourbon is made, but the right. name bourbon the name. came from this French dude. Interesting. But uh, I found that fascinating. Going through these old maps of what... So Virginia, like I said, went all the way across when Kentucky um, annexed from Virginia became... Because there was a big deal with these states. They would give their property back to the federal government. Um, so when they gave it back, Kentucky took that part, and Bourbon County was, was one of it. But when you look at these maps, that Bourbon County area of Virginia, now Kentucky, that North Carolina area where the moonshine, the stuff I'm going to talk about, yeah, pretty much all in the same exact spot. So this moonshine, bourbon, whiskey, Kentucky, all this stuff, you know, in the 1700s was basically not a state. It was like the same freaking area. Right. Um, very fascinating. So the story that, uh, that I'm working on, pretty cool story, but I wanted to... Uh, share that part on here, you know, just cause I, it's fascinating. Yeah, that is cool. Um, 
yeah, they definitely talked about the name for bourbon becoming bourbon um, because of those ships coming out of Bourbon County down the Mississippi yep. between New Orleans and so on and so forth. But now that you mention it, I think both the books that I've I've read on the subject never actually, at least the two that I, I read, kind of glossed over like the actual origin of the name. Yeah, so where does the word come? Why was it called Bourbon County? Well, that's why it's French in name, <laughs> which makes France makes France makes sense because uh, Louisiana and it, is and very And also, French. it also lends to why those that were still from France or of French descent that had settled in New Orleans would have been so drawn to a name they were familiar with. Yes. Yep. This is kind of what's, this is it coming from Bourbon County wasn't because everybody says, well, it's good because it's charred. It was exactly that French people knew the name Bourbon. They knew it was the King's whiskey. And that, and that is what kind of launched it. That's interesting. That means more to it than charred barrels or good spirit or any of that. Cause when you listen to these stories and they're like, well, they put new make in these char barrels and they float it down the Mississippi. How long would that take? Maybe at most a year. Maybe call it two years. Maybe it took three damn years. You ever had three-year-old bourbon? It's not good. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> think it would take that long to float it down the river. So it had nothing to do with the charred oak barrels. I mean, granted, now it does. Sure. But then when people were like, I want bourbon. Yeah. It was French people wanted it was bourbon because it was bourbon. With, it was less to do with the process of how it was made and more with... What they associated the name the with. The brand name, which yeah. is why they talk about whiskey spawned brand names. Right. Because it's a it name you're familiar yeah. with. Yep. Well, they were familiar with it because it was a French king. Right. But bam Everybody, you know, every time you learn something, you grow a new wrinkle on your brain? Everybody listen, you just yep. got a new wrinkle. And you can go look on Wikipedia and it's there and you'd be like, damn, he's right. That's because I put it there. <laughs> <laughs> but I am right. I'm not wrong. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, back to so that that was like the sidebar. So if that makes you excited, wait yeah. till you learn what I'm gonna tell you next week. Cause it's I'm gonna practice it in the mirror or something so I don't look stupid at the tasting, but Nah, you'd be fine. It's basically if I can give you any advice, you gotta find a way to look cool. Cause this whole story I'm telling is gonna be like, and here I am today. That's so it's <laughs> the first time they put corn in a still, and then I'm gonna be like, and now I'm here. That's that's literally the beginning and the end of the story. And and people are gonna be like, who's this fucking guy? I'm like, oh, that's my business partner. I'm like He's just he's just along for the ride. He's the director of hunting. Awesome. And then they're gonna be like, Oh, you kill deer. Maybe I just won't come. <laughs> you have to come. I don't have to do anything. That's true. <laughs> I'd appreciate it if you came. I might. I met a guy today that uh is a whiskey connoisseur. And we were batting back and forth. Oh, yeah? And uh, I added him to my list of pet peeves. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, then... Because he's not. Let's start in on pet peeves then. Well, do you want to start with what we wrote or what we got off Instagram? Uh, so I included what we saw on Instagram kind of in my list. So let's let's start with what, we had, what, what was shared with us, and then we'll yeah. go from there. I think we should do the Instagram. That way people know, like, this is what they said, and this is what right. we said. So this is... Um, and by the way... Um, some of these were on my list, so we're, we're losing out, but I'll give credit to the followers. So the first one was salty antler. Salt, I don't know why I just screwed up saying that salty antler outdoors. The guy we talked, we did a live stream. Did we do a podcast? Yeah, no, we did a, um, we did a Instagram live. Yeah, we did Instagram live with him. So we need to do a podcast soon. He's actually coming. Maybe we can do it when he gets oh, here. Oh, let's do it when he's here. So his, his, the first answer was him. He said, naming deer. <laughs> 
Yeah, so naming deer is a fun a, a fun topic to discuss with people because some people are like violently opposed to it. They just cannot stand it, don't understand why. Um, other people, it's super annoying, um, kind of a, a disgusting, weird thing to do. I don't know, to add a name to something you're planning to kill, it almost defeats the purpose. Um, I get it both ways, I guess. It's not as much of a pet peeve for me, uh, but I definitely see where it is. Well, I'll People tell you come from. his reason, but let me first tell you my thought on it. Okay. So the naming deer thing, this is one of the few things in my life that I have never, ever given any second, not even a fraction of a second of thought towards. People naming deer? Yeah, just I've never, I know you see it on TV all the time, and I was like, this makes good TV. Because instead of being sure. like, you know, the buck with the awkward tine is like, yeah. no, that's Jerry. We're going to fuck Jerry up later. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's that's all I thought it was. I didn't realize real people named deer. Yeah, but real people, from my understanding, the reason most people that, I guess a lot of people do it, but to to kind of add on to your thing, being good for TV, uh, people who generally, that I generally see naming deer, have a lot of deer on camera that they're tracking for whatever reason. And they're trying to, as you said, maintain a way to... I get that. Constantly differentiate them so that whenever they're talking to other people on the property or other club members or family members, they can, as you said, refer to, you know, Big T or, you know, Shorty instead of the three-year-old with yeah. the second, the drop tine and the split G2 and, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it becomes, I think it's out of necessity. Yeah, it makes sense. But that being said... Uh, it's not something I'm going to do. No, I don't, I've never named Deer. Maybe after you kill it, you're like, Jerry, I love you, man. I'm going to eat the hell out of you today. No, after it dies, I usually just refer to it as whatever Wait. meal that's going to be. Yeah. Dinner. Dinner, exactly. Yeah. I think I've actually said that before when when you, on rifle hunting, when you, you know, just instinct, you fire and re-rack. And I think I've done the re-rack and thought to myself, dinner bell, like that sound is the sound <laughs> of a dinner bell. Yeah, I've never named a deer. On to the next. So he actually didn't say anything about that one. He just said, bring it up. Or that was just his input. Um, he said something about this one, though. Shed hunting. Oh, yeah, this is a good one, too. So I don't shed hunt. Not for any reason. Just I just, don't. I, th- I find it is, because I don't care. I don't hang, sure. you know, I don't do taxidermy. Mm. But I don't I do not do shed hunting because I, I almost see it. And, like, we did a whole podcast on it, and yeah. I get the points of it. Yeah, yeah. But the actual point is to go out and, and survey land. Right. Um, and to check to see. Like, we did a whole, if you had, like... Throw it in the show notes, whatever a podcast. If you want to learn about shed hunting, we did a whole thing on it. Yep. But for me, it's not something I just I'm too busy. I don't know. Yeah. I we did a we did an episode on it and I know enough about it to understand how it can be used and how it can be, you know, a valuable way to understand what's going on with your deer herd. That being said, I understand his point and that people get super like as sometimes excited about finding sheds as they would have having shot the deer. So I'll give you his exact quote, which is here or there, but he said, uh, people who think shed hunting is more important than shooting a buck. Okay. You found an antler, bro. Congrats. Call me when he's hanging on the skin and pole. Yeah. And it's kind of like it, you know, you see kids all the time picking up antlers, but you don't see kids killing <laughs> monster bucks. And so I get his point. Sure. Um, it's just not something I'm into, but no, I, so I find sheds, 
I'm all about finding them. I don't but, go shed hunting. But I don't go, like, I don't have a dog that I've trained to do it. I'm not, yeah, it seems strange. I'm not looking forward to that season. You know, it's not part of my typical off-season thing. It's just one of those things where if I find a shed, cool. If I find a shed in a certain area, I may take an extra 15 minutes to, you know, peruse around and see if I find another one or a yeah, match. Sure. But I'm not going to obsess about it. I'm not getting up in the morning with an empty backpack to go shed hunt on the National Forest just to collect bone. It just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, me neither. And, and I, I get it, the people that do, because there's, there's things we do that people, like, especially the hunting. The hardest part about doing whiskey stuff is the hunting part, because people are like, you're cool and all, but you kill animals. And it's like, all right, I'm not. I know that you can't understand it. So the so the shed hunting thing, it's, yeah. I look at it the same way. I yep. just, I can't understand it. But good on you. I don't care. It doesn't matter Yeah, it doesn't me. bother me either. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a pet peeve necessarily, but I can certainly get why people would would be annoyed by it for sure so the next one is uh colton beam he says someone who has never taken a buck with a bow goes out and pays for a trophy hunt (laughs) yeah so okay so this actually this actually touches on uh two pet peeves of mine yeah do tell so i agree that i at least i feel as outdoorsmen as hunters like you should have put some time in the field, gotten your hands dirty, put in hard work, yes. and understand what that's like before paying to go on a trophy hunt. I feel like maybe yep. you don't uh, appreciate what the folks at that facility are doing to give you a good to make sure you right. have a good time. Uh, if that's the only kind of thing you've ever experienced. With that being said. Um, I don't necessarily think that someone has to take an animal with a bow before choosing to, because one of my pet peeves is people who diminish other hunters method of take, like look, oh, yeah. look down on someone because yep. you hunt with rifle, um, and you never hunt with a bow. That's why when I say when we, if we rifle hunt, I always say the rare time we usually bow hunt. <laughs> I mean, I do it to kind of appease the crowd. Here's the way I, when he said that, this is the first thought that came to mind, but I met a hunter at Rita's like not, I don't want to call this guy a hunter. I met a guy at Rita's and, um, which is on Folly beach and they have really good, uh, uh, rabbit turd, um, ice. Oh yeah. You know, it's <laughs> anyway, uh, they make orange crushes really good. Anyway. So they, um, he was telling me that he's, he's like, cause I was wearing the PP hat and he was like, Oh, he's like, I'm guessing that's a hunt. And I was like, yeah, a hunt. And he was like, Oh, me too. And he was telling me about his drafts and elephants and all this stuff. And I'm like, now we, that's a whole other podcast on its own. Not talking shit. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying anything. I don't want to get into it. It's a discussion to be had. But, it's not. But when it comes to this specific question of people who pay. So this guy he pays to go on these. And I get it. I understand what it's for. And I'm not talking shit. But. Yes. If that's all you do is you go on these safari hunts, then you don't know what it's like to spend nine days in the mountains of Colorado and freeze to death every night because you didn't bring the right shit and long hours. And then rats get into your coffee and eat it all. And there's rat turds in your coffee. You're drinking rat turd coffee. and You're worried about getting diseases. If you don't know what that's like. So that's what I thought of when he said that. It was like, yes. So so people go and pay for a boat for a trophy hunt and they haven't experienced exactly what we just said. Yeah. That was my thought on it. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I I think uh, that's why, like you know, a lot of your yeah yeah. I I mostly agree. It's just the method of take 
part that I so bugs me. So then, yeah, the method of take, I agree. Because there are some people like. Do you are, want to expand on that so well, we don't have to touch back on yeah, it? Yeah. So let's just finish. Yeah. Finish out that thought. So. I've come across it several times and I'm sure anyone who's hunted a significant portion of time or even fished, like if you have a certain way that you like to achieve your goal of killing an animal or catching or whatever it is, and you're comfortable with doing that, then by all means, the hunting community and the number of hunters is not where it should be in order for us to be able to have the numbers we need to protect our resources and our, the freedoms that we have right. to do what we do. So not enough people care. That's not not enough mean. people care. Yeah. Um, and the, and like the number of new hunters on a yearly basis, I believe is not growing No. So I guess what my point is that like, we should be encouraging as many people to hunt as possible yeah. in whichever way makes them comfortable. And if someone isn't comfortable shooting a bow or doesn't like the idea of it, because maybe they feel they're more effective and can make a cleaner kill with a rifle, then so be it. If you just prefer traditional archery hunting, that's fine. But don't be a dick and shit on other people yeah. who uh, who like to do it another way. Like, um, I look at it this way. I jumped out of a tree with a knife in my teeth and strangled a doe and killed her with a knife. So if you don't hunt that way, then you're using tools that shouldn't be used. Then you're useless. You're yeah. useless. You're I'm, a disgrace. That's a joke. But like our favorite, our resident, our how do we want to call him now? Our 2020, what year is this? Our 2022, 2022 Mammoth Sniper Challenge contender, yep. Green Beret Special Forces. He's taken up bow hunting and he is doing what we don't do and say that we do. He's actually shooting arrows every day, every day. Mm-hmm. And he'll send me a picture or a video of a 30 yard, you know, bullseye. And I'm like, I don't care. But. <laughs> It's good that you're out there every day because I don't know that that's true. Right. Unless I'm there to verify that was a 30 yard bullseye with one shot. Sure. You know, and I'm not. So, but the whole thing is you're correct. The method of take doesn't matter. Yes. It takes a lot more skill, patience, time, distance, etc., to kill something with a bow compound bow with a recurve bow, but it does a compound bow. Yeah. Even said, right. So like, even if you say, Oh, with a bow. Okay. Well, what kind of bow? Yeah. I got a Fred bear. I just bought four arrows yesterday for my Fred bear cool. recurve. Cause I want to get pretty good at it. Will I ever have a chance to kill a deer? Probably not. Cause I'm pretty sketchy on a compound bow, <laughs> but I know like we've talked about it before. The, uh, the 308 is an American express. I just go out and swipe it. It's just you know, dinner. Done deal. You know? Um, yeah, we'll go on to the next one. We, All right. That's fine. So our favorite, not favorite. He's definitely not the favorite. But our 2022 Mammoth Sniper Challenge contender says, when someone tries to tell me Fireball isn't great whiskey. Yeah. And we're going to skip that. So Dad Bob Outdoors says, uh, taking shots without enough practice. And this applies to both whiskey and whitetails. That's pretty good. That's <laughs> pretty good. It's clever. So taking shots without enough practice. So in whitetail hunting, yeah. I mean, how many times do you see shitty pictures where somebody shot a, a doe or a deer in the head or in the shoulder blade yeah. and it's running around? Or like... Or going to a bar. Having, people, having to help somebody look for a deer for two hours yeah. after the they shot him in the liver shot instead them. of the... Yeah. yeah, or helping somebody... Pull their hair back at a bar <laughs> because they don't know how to take shots. Right. It goes either way, and it really... Doesn't matter which one of those you're talking about. It only takes experiencing it once for you yep. to not want to do it. Yeah, I don't want to ever do that. Yeah. 
So if, if you've ever gut shot a deer with a bow and you didn't find it. Practice better. It hurts. It's if you've fun. ever had your friends make fun of you the next day because you puked all over the bar, it, it hurts. It also hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great comment. Uh, Sonoran Sipper, Michael. People who try to talk down for you. Sorry. People who try to talk down for how you prefer to enjoy whiskey that you paid for. I read something today. Um, and someone else in a, a different forum actually expressed the same pet peeve. And he made almost the exact same comment. Yeah. Like, I paid for the whiskey. Yep. I'll drink it however the hell I want to. Yep. Valid and, point. And, and then he went on to give a story about uh, being on a tour somewhere, one of the distilleries in Scotland. And she was on, uh, he, he was doing the tour with his wife. They were all offered a, a, a dram of, of their choice at the end of the tour. She turned, she declined, wasn't a, a fan of scotch, preferred wine. The guy took a very nice, like, couple hundred dollar bottle of scotch and poured it with a mixer for her. I think Coke is what he said. Yeah. And he said the collective jaw dropping that happened around the room, he said, was deafening. But the but the, the guy that was doing the tour used that opportunity to make the point that and drink whiskey however the hell you want to. So as the certified bourbon surgeon... <laughs> Part of the exam, actually. So part of the, and I only reserve that. So part of the book, it talks about at, towards the end. Yeah. It's like after everything you've learned, everything you've read, at the end of the day, a steward is someone that is basically a servant. So me, as a steward to someone trying to, and, and I'm going to take this half and half, right? So in the event that I'm stewarding, I will be a certified bourbon steward. In the event that I'm drinking, I'm not. But, it finishes the book off with if somebody orders a 23-year-old whatever and they want it mixed with Coke, you basically shut up and go pour them what they want yeah. because you're not here to teach them how to drink. You're teaching them about the spirit. So if that means to get you to drink it, you have to put Coke in it, that's the correct answer. And right. people get angry. And I wanted to bring this up because I almost wanted to like I thought about that. I knew this was going to come up at some point today. I actually made sure it would because I put it in my notes, which we haven't gotten to. But I wanted to bring this up, and I thought about um, recording it for Instagram, but I won't. I'll find another way to do it. But when people talk about... So first of all, in Scotland, that's the thing. You put water in your whiskey. That's just the way it is. Everybody does it. In America, for some reason, they don't like it. But I wanted to say this. People that talk shit about not necessarily ice, but water. You can't put water in a bourbon. You shouldn't put water in it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So if you look at a label, this label is 94 proof. Hold on. Let's do a bottle and bond because it's easy. Okay. Bottle and bond, 100 proof. That is 50% alcohol. So that bottle of whiskey is 50% alcohol. What do you think the other 50% is? Well, it's not it's aluminum. water. Yeah. So if you add water... To something that already has water in it, um, okay, what's the big deal here? Yeah. I don't. So watering something down now, if you water it down with cubed ice, you know I may try and talk you into using Kentucky limestone spring water. I may try and talk you into that instead of just using tap water, right? But because of the molecule breakdown that that, that is involved with the limestone and the water, um, which by the way, the limestone takes the iron out. So if you were to make whiskey with a ton of iron. What does iron color change? Turns to black. So if you make whiskey with iron water, it turns black. By the way, interesting CBS knowledge. But um, <laughs> but yeah, adding water to something—that's a stupid thing. That's a stupid thing to argue about. You guys should just hug it out. All right, next thing. 
flavored whiskey. <laughs> so I, we have to get into the, the laws of what defines whiskey. And I guess there's no, at, at what point does that, does the, the addition of flavored syrups and things like that, where does that come in? So American blended whiskey, uh-huh. which is, which brings, well, let me bring up one of my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is when people say, I don't drink blended whiskey. That drives me nuts because, okay, what is your definition of blended whiskey? If you mean the actual FDA label blended whiskey, or do you mean if it's this whiskey and that whiskey put together, I don't drink it. Because a lot of whiskeys are blended whiskeys. So if you're not drinking a blended whiskey, you're you're drinking a single barrel. So if all you drink is single barrels, good luck. But if, if you're talking about the actual definition, so American blended whiskey, it must contain a minimum of 20% straight whiskey. Which that basically means that the blended whiskey contains a minimum of fifty one percent straight whiskey with one particular grain type, so rye malt, wheat, or bourbon. Uh-huh. Um, then you get into blended rye, blended wheats, whatever. But spirits containing less than twenty percent straight whiskey, but greater than five percent, are called spirit whiskey. So basically, most whiskeys are some type of blended straight whiskey. But I want to talk about straight whiskey because it's hard to understand that one because there's so many rules with it. Yeah. So straight whiskey is going to be Elijah Craig, Buffalo Trace, Old Forester, blah, blah, blah. Those are straight whiskeys. However, I'll just... So it's a whiskey that's distilled from any fermented malt or unmalted cereal grain into a mash. And the concentrate is not exceeding 80% alcohol volume. And they're put into oak barrels for at least two years at a concentration, not I think it's... 62.5% or something like that at the start of the aging process. So the only modifications to straight whiskey prior to bottling means that you take it from different barrels. So we have 10 Buffalo Trace barrels. We can mix them all together. Right. That is straight whiskey. However, that is blended whiskey because now you're blending several different barrels. Mm. Um, but it has to basically come from the same distiller, more or less. So if you mean blended whiskey in the fact of there's no artificial sweeteners, flavoring, coloring, right? I agree with you. I don't drink blended whiskey. But when people say, but there's a lot, there's very few of those in the bourbon world. So the person I'm talking about specifically, there's certain bourbons he won't drink because they're a blend of straight whiskeys and he won't drink them. Okay. But he will drink Buffalo Trace, which is a blend of straight whiskeys. It's weird. So that's one of my pet peeves. All right. Did I answer his question? I think so. That yeah, was, of flavored whiskey. Yeah, of flavored whiskey. I just don't. I just tend. I just fi- tend to find them thick and sticky syrupy. and syrupy it's sugar. and it's yeah. Not sugar. Just don't enjoy it. There's a there's a ABV number. I think it's thirty five. Anything that's thirty five percent, um, or less is is basically Mountain Dew. <laughs> Ugh. There's just so much sugar in it. Yeah. But one could argue that a spritz of Sprite. And your old Forester, because old Forester Sprite is like, old Forester was one of the was the first company to bottle whiskey. Before that, they just kept it in barrels and they would just pour it straight out the barrel. Nice. So, old Forester and Sprite is like an old school drink since Sprite was invented. Nice. Um, and I still enjoy it. I almost bought some on the way home because I knew this was going to come up in this podcast. Yeah. Just to have one with you, but one could argue that is a flavored whiskey. Sure, I guess depending on the ratio. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's one of those things. It goes back to the 
Like, you have know, you tried the screw, that screwball at peanut butter whiskey? I refuse. <laughs> I love peanut butter, and it I scares do too. me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's why I refuse to do it, because I think it'll ruin peanut butter. Oh, that would suck. And then, I don't want to keep going through all these. I'm going to do one more. All right. Whiskey should taste like whiskey. And I think it's from the same guy, um, Gadzooks1972. Whiskey should taste like whiskey. Sorry to everybody else I'm not getting to. But um, I think that may be a follow-up on that. All right. That whiskey should taste like whiskey, not cherry. Okay, fair enough. Like Red Stag. Yeah. I could crush a bottle of Red Stag and feel like shit tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, like American Honey. That is it Jack Daniels that makes American Honey? Yes. Like, I can drink that straight to the head. Just yeah. sip on it. It's super sweet. And yep. I've done it once, and the hangover was terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, gonna gonna pass on that. Um, well, let's do a let's do a quick. Um, our new new make age. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Let's do a let's do a segue. So, I don't know. Talk about something while I pour. Tell explain what explain what this is. We're doing we're doing a break between Instagram and our pet peeves. Right. So, um, Matt got a hold of some white dog, specifically from Buffalo Trace. Correct. And, yeah, that's correct. And what we did is we took uh, the white dog, which is the new make, straight you know straight from the uh, the still. And basically took some of the wood shavings or, or small, um, I don't know, slices that, that we cut. Yeah, they're straight. They're like probably five inches long, maybe a yeah, quarter like, inch like thick. sticks, like yeah. big, thick, giant wicks from a candle, um, one of those wood candles. And so what what Matt did is put some of those in a jar with a new make, and we've just been kind of letting it age um and because of the the surface to volume um it's it's aging much quicker than it would yeah. in a barrel for example it's pretty golden now so i have march 24th written on the lid so i i tried it 16? i tried it before we put it in i tried it a couple weeks after um i think a week or week and a half after and it was still like not even close to white or um to brown yet it was just barely had a tint to it and it still tasted very much like just corn whiskey. Ah. So it smells the same. But it has a whiskey taste now. So we're about a month, almost a month. We're a week away from a month. Yeah. So, so it still smells like new make, but it has a whiskey. It smells like new make. Um, There's a whiskey taste on there now. But it still has those heavy, sweet corn notes Yeah, um, of a corn... Of a bourbon, but more of the tannin is coming yeah, through. Yeah, we're getting some some char. Which the reason the char was ever a thing is because it's a na- you know everybody knows that charcoal is in most filters, so it's supposed to filter out a lot of the nasty stuff, a lot of the ethers that you don't want. Which we did a podcast on, and then you can cold all of that chill, well. cold chill filter it even further. Yeah, take all the fats out, and then it's runny, gross. <laughs> Uh, that's not bad it's not bad no it's really good I'm looking forward to uh, what that looks like and how long are you planning to do it I'm gonna go until we decide we're gonna keep doing the podcast so oh, okay week by week and then and then we'll there may not be much left by the time but <laughs> at least we'll have a time frame and then um, I'll make a few and, and throw them up in the because I leave in the garage so the wood has the chance to expand and, and kind of do its thing do you want another beer uh no Okay. I'm going to keep sipping on this. I'm going to grab one. I'll grab here. Okay. So you start with your uh, pet peeves. Over. Yeah. So pet peeves back to that while uh, Mr. Matt makes a run. So um, 
there are some hunting pet peeves that really, really grind my gears. Um, one of those being when somebody, when somebody kills a buck and somebody else gets upset that there were, that was quote their buck or my buck. Um, like I understand hunting and close proximity to other people where they hunt, but it's not your deer. Like you don't own that deer. That being said, this on on a similar note, it is also a pet peeve of mine when you in good faith share some exciting news about a deer that you have on camera or an encounter that you had and someone who generally doesn't or has not hunted that area in a very long time decides after hearing your news to go hunt and put pressure on that area. I feel like that's a dick move. Yeah, that's a If you weren't already hunting in that area regularly, yep. Don't don't be a prick and move in there yeah, just that's because a, that's a, I, I feel like it's just a dick thing to do. What's well, a twofold question? Because you're right, it's not your deer. If that was your deer, you would have already killed it. But if I tell you about that deer and now all of a sudden you're hunting that area where that deer is, then that becomes my deer. So I so I wrote in my <laughs> notes, I said, uh my you know, uh pet peeves, quote, my buck, but also chasing after my buck. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's not my buck, but I'm hunting a piece of property. We, we that nobody else has a stand within you know 300 square yards give or take you know and then do you measure it something close to it yeah nice. and someone else has an old stand in there that they haven't hunted in forever and you mention casually in a text conversation and suddenly that guy's out there so this happened to you this did happen to me okay it sounds personal it was a beautiful buck i'll show you a picture of him later maybe we'll if i can find a good version of it. who you killed can, it name drop uh, that's what pisses me off even most is that they slid in on, on it. They took a shot with a muzzle loader and wounded it and didn't fucking kill it and never retrieved it. Wow. And it's till to this day, we've never found the body or the antlers or anything else. I'm fairly certain it, it took off into the swamp the back swamp. there and it'll never be found again. But, uh, are you yeah. still friends with this person? I am, but you want to go burn his house down? Later? Nah, I don't want to do anything like that. It's, uh, he's got enough on his plate, but, um, I still give him shit about it to this day. He he knows he he called me and apologized for shooting it and not being able to find it. Yeah. I'm just like I had a I had him patterned pretty good. Maybe next time just don't do that. Yeah, that's why people are so. Let's like Livingston will show us stuff that he won't show other people because he knows that we're not. He knows we're not going over there. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, that's the thing is is it, it sucks that you have then, to sort of feel out. Last year we did go over there, but. That was more to film than anything else. Yeah, that wasn't. We weren't doing anything. Yeah, we didn't kill anything. No. We're so yeah, that pictures. was that's definitely a hunting pet peeve that I have. Um, also, another pet peeve is, and this is just generally speaking across the board, whether it's public land, because uh, we see we see this a lot in public land. I know when I go out, and then with my son's scout troop, um, shout out troop. Uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, probably not. Doesn't matter. When I go out with the troop, like we'll camp on public land. Um, same thing with like our private area where we hunt for like a club, uh, people leaving trash all over the place, like whether it's in a stand oh, or whether stand? it's just all over the, all over the, Dude, like a camping site, it just drives I me melt bananas. Down. I melt down. If I climb that tower stand, you know what I'm talking about. I do I climb up in there and there's sunflower seeds everywhere and like cigarette butts. Like I know who it is and there's, <laughs> you know, crushed up water bottles. As soon as I get up there, I just look at it and I'm like, yeah 
that's, gonna, that's, gonna, that's gonna be the reason I, I find you having had a heart attack up in a stand that's or exactly an, an, why. an aneurysm because someone left too much trash yep yep <laughs> um so that's my biggest thing it's just like you you had the energy and you had the wherewithal to pack that shit and bring it there with you just take it out yeah just it's in take the it with you. Just it's even it, smaller now because you finished the, it yeah there's less weight there's less yeah. volume just put it in the pack it in pack it out if you see something say something yeah it's so in in scouts we have a a a, a program called uh, leave no trace right i think it's pretty it's not really even a scout thing it's actually a a whole separate program that can be implemented anywhere but the idea is you know use the campsite that's already there don't make a new one yeah leave things better than you found it it's a pretty like simple straightforward way to go about your life anywhere just leave the place better than you found it that's why it was in the army if you puke while being smoked you have to pick it up and put it in your pocket Oh, that sucks. That's a lot different. Yeah, it's, it's that's not all what I'm talking similar, about. Similar, <laughs> but you know. Well, I wanted to give the definition of pet peeve because I know everybody oh, okay. knows what a pet peeve is, but I actually I found this fascinating. Something that a particular person, so not the group, but something that one person finds especially annoying. Oh yeah, that's the actual definition. I figured it'd be more. Oh, annoying. then I think I definitely have way more pet peeves than yeah, I thought I do were too, pet peeves because they're personal pet peeves. But we were trying to like, yeah. So I think we were we were discussing I think maybe just pet peeves that are shared. Yeah, shared. Um, because certainly the things we're talking about, we've had discussions with others. They're definitely shared things. So I actually I had a so one thing about preparing for this podcast, I had a pet peeve, and then as now, I wrote it out, I now was you like, don't want to talk about it. No, I'm going to talk about it. But <laughs> as I wrote it out, I was like, why is that a pet peeve? Yeah. So uh, so it's a whiskey one. So inconsistent pricing at bars. Ah, uh, yeah. So the example I wrote was Stag Jr. So we can go right here to Bohemian Bull. For Stag Jr., we get $15. They have Basil Hayden, like just bullshit Basil Hayden, $18. And I'm like, what? I'll pay $15 all day for Stag Jr. You won't catch me paying $18 for Basil Hayden. No. But then I was like, uh, I get it. Charge more because you can. And then I realized that most people that drink whiskey, they think Basil Hayden's like the shit. So... They probably sell a lot of Basil Hayden so they can raise the price. Right. Where Stag Jr., if you're not in the whiskey bourbon community, you sure. probably don't know what Stag Jr. is. So they probably don't sell a lot of it. Probably not. So then I was That's like, point. is that really a pet peeve that I can get good shit cheap because all the dumb people are buying <laughs> cheap shit for expensive? Well, I think I think there's a pet peeve that I wrote down and I think sort of is close enough to that to bring it up. It's relevant. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves within whiskey as a, as a consumer is the overuse of like unregulated words and terms to be misleading yeah. on bottles to yeah. lead the consumer to be that it is something that it's not or more premium or yep. more rare than it actually is. Like small batch. Small batch. Drives me nuts. Uh, if you make 5,000 bottles yeah. and then you decide to make 4,999, that's a small or, batch. Or, you know, what I see one the other day, special small batch or yeah. rare small batch. It's like... Very old Barton. Yeah. It's not though. It's not... <laughs> It's, I um, promise you it's not old. But even like, even there's even terms like bourbon that get abused, I think. Because technically, by definition, you can make a a high corn, just American whiskey. And before it goes in a bottle, all you have to do is pour it over a piece of a charred new oak. And it's technically bourbon. It doesn't yeah. have to age in it at One all. Day. Well, so there's so like bottled and bond, for instance. There's some. So there are. So yeah. But you're correct. You could take new make, 
pour it in a barrel that's been charred, and right. then five minutes later, pour it out, and that is bourbon. You can call it bourbon. Yep. But the reason that doesn't happen is because now it's a used barrel, and you only used it for five minutes. Um, true. And those barrels are not cheap. So in order to buy, like what we pay for barrels and what they pay for barrels, astronomically different. Really? I mean, like brand new? Yeah, brand new barrels are, they can range from four to eight hundred dollars depending on the char level. No way, really? Yeah, they're super expensive. I didn't think they were, I knew they were in the hundreds, but not almost a Dude, grand. Wildly expensive. If, I mean, obviously, if you're buying a shit ton of them, sure. it's cheaper bulk pricing. But, but if you're just like, I'm going to go buy a brand new charred whiskey barrel that doesn't leak from yeah. a well known cooperage. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to so pay you, that, that, 500 bucks. That, you know, if not, $500 would be a good deal. So you're with, with a lot of premium whiskeys or whiskeys that are higher priced, you're, you're generally paying, and we've talked about this before, it's generally an indication of rareness or how hard it is. It's not necessarily an indication of quality, right? There is no indication of quality. Quality is subjective. So yes, what you 100%. like and what I like is pretty close. Yep. But what I like and what my wife likes or what I like and what your wife likes, different. Right. Like Patrick, for instance. What I like and what Patrick totally different. <laughs> yeah. Patrick doesn't like. I like high proof shit. I think it's. I think it's interesting that you can put something in a barrel at 125 proof and it comes out at 130. I find that fascinating and I want to taste it. Yeah. But I also, I'm a moonshine guy. It's what I've always liked. High proof. Like to me, people drink moonshine and like, oh my gosh, straight rubbing alcohol. Where for me, I could taste not if it's good and flavors, and I could taste that. I I can drink moonshine the same way I can drink bourbon. So. To say that one is the other, one is more rare. What The thing, the reason people that they like 6 to 12-year-old bourbon is because there was not a bourbon craze. Nobody was buying it. So everybody had 6 to 12-year-old or more bourbon sitting yeah. around. So it was an advertising piece. And they were like, hey, this guy's selling 4-year-old bourbon. We're selling 10-year-old bourbon. It's better because it's older. Yeah. Well, now that the market is the way it is, and there is not a lot of 12-year-old bourbons out right now, I mean, the market is crazy. The, everything you're buying, for instance, Old Forester, people love, I love Old Forester. There's no age statement on there. The majority of Old Forester is between four and six years old. It's just young whiskey. But somehow, they make good young, but they've been making it forever. Yeah. They existed before Prohibition. They've been around forever. So, to say that an age statement... Or a mash bill, or a gradient, or a brand makes it anything in real life is not true. But in the market and the way things work and the way things people believe, which leads to one of there's the reason I'm getting long winded on this is because I got a pet peeve that comes with it is the marketing of bourbon, the marketing of whiskey that a hundred percent changes everything. Everything. If if I give you a 12 year old bourbon, I mean, you see it all the time, blind tastings, people give them a 20. You know, eighteen to fit twenty year old bourbon, yeah. and they give them a ten year bourbon, and they like the ten year better. Then you do a ten and Jim Beam white label. They like the white label sure. better. Yeah. So it's has nothing to do with it's a lot of what you think is delicious is because of packaging, price, right. marketability. And so my pet peeve that I wrote down, this is the first one that I wrote down was extravagant packaging or bottles for meh whiskey. Yeah. It's, and and I, the example was pot still. Yeah. That Willet pot still, we call it drain bourbon. Drain, it's drain whiskey. It's what you clean your drains with. You ain't drinking <laughs> that shit. It's nasty. The bottle, super cool. Yeah, it is a cool bottle. And I see it everywhere. So I go in a liquor store and I'll be looking for something. 
Yeah, I'm looking at age statements, bald and bond. Is this a single barrel? I'm just I'm just reading labels. If I see something handwritten on a barrel, on a bottle, I'm I'm in it. Right. Like, you know, I'm looking at it. But I'll have these people come in and they'll be like, oh, and they'll grab the pot still. Like they found, you know, the lucky charms gold. And right. they, they run up to the front and they're all excited. And it's like, you know, maybe that guy, maybe that's his flavor profile. Yeah, maybe. But not likely. What likely happened is he saw the bottle, thought it was rare. Right. And and he was like, I know because I have friends that have received it and they reach out to me and they're like, I got this as a gift. And I'm like, ugh, don't open it. Right. <laughs> you know, or maybe you do. Maybe you sure. like it. I think you have to try it at least, right? But meanwhile, the guy's getting excited over something that someone has told him or a label or packaging has convinced him it's that it's rare. I think packaging and the marketing. Meanwhile, there's... So you've th- all been told six to 12-year-old bourbon, like, I've, I'm guilty of saying it, 10 years a sweet spot. Tenure is a sweet spot. However, comma, pause for effect. Not all the time. I've had tenure bourbons that suck. I've had tenure bourbons that are amazing. It's a, it's a hard thing to... Um, taste is subjective, man. It's, that's all you can really... That's all you can really say. Taste is subjective. So to say that... I can tell you this. There is no age that means it's good bourbon. If if you make new make and it smells musty and you put it in a barrel and 20 years later you pull it out, it's going to smell and taste musty. It's just that's just the way it works. If you have new make that smells like I don't know, fresh corn or, or like something like that, like it may develop some good flavors, but if you if you have a terrible product and you put it in a barrel, the barrel's not going to make it better. It's yeah. just not. You got to have a good new make. You have to go, have a good white dog, good moonshine. You got to have that as your starting point. Then you put it, I mean, or somebody who can blend it well or somebody that can blend it well. <laughs> exactly. And that's why when people talk about, they only drink, they don't drink blended whiskeys. Like you're missing out on a ton of good shit. Yep. Cause some of the best, some of my favorite whiskeys are blended. So right. and before you went down that rabbit hole, yeah, the, sorry. the point I was making on uh price is that some of your craft, you're like really small distilleries whose bottles may be a little more expensive than you'd like to pay. They shouldn't be. Well, they shouldn't be potentially, but also what those small businesses are paying for a barrel because they can't right. order. Yeah, I got you there. Order in huge bulk, their costs are higher. I agree. So, so the product has to be, otherwise they're not making a profit. So I listened to a podcast. I don't know how old it was. Um, or if we even have combined followers, but that's the only reason I'm mentioning it is because there's a possibility. Yeah. So I listened to a podcast. This is not my original thought, but I mean, it is, but this is a thought that was triggered by another podcast. They were talking about new distilleries and they basically said, your first six batches are not going to be good. Yeah. There's no, unless you're, I think he actually were used the word savant. Unless you are a savant, your first six batches are going to suck. So, when we go to these local distilleries that are starting up, like Cannon, for instance, uh-huh. when I went to Cannon, I didn't even say anything. I just went in there. And I'm, I'm su- I didn't even open it. I gave it away three days ago. Uh, two yesterday, I gave it away yesterday. I don't even. I'm not even gonna drink it. I went there to support them as a local distiller. So these new these new whiskey companies. Yeah. If you go there thinking their first batch is gonna taste like. Old Forster, Elijah Craig, right, Pat yeah. Van Winkle, Buffalo. If you think that, you've already screwed yourself. Don't think that. The reason you help these people out is because they're local to you and you want to help them. So right. I went there and bought a bottle to help them. That's it. I do not intend on it being good. 
so much, in fact, that I gave it away. Because I'll just go buy another one and we'll try it someday. Sure. But, for instance, I don't want to trash anybody local. If you're making your own whiskey, your own new make, you're not outsourcing from someone else, it's not gonna. It's just not going to be good. Yeah. Where, like, Firefly, they outsource from Buffalo Trace. So Particularly if, if you're a company or a distillery that started and you're you're doing this for the first time. This doesn't yeah. apply to someone that's, that necessarily starts a distillery right. and brings right. in I'm a... I'm talking about you and I go start a company. Right. Our whiskey will suck for probably six years. <laughs> it's just the way it is. That's why so many of those those same distilleries make easy things like easier things, I should say, like gin or right. vodka that's and exactly sell those to, to keep money yep. coming in while that's they exactly figure out. And then, and then they still have to age it. But to your point, the price. If uh, you're buying home... Just like homegrown stuff. Yeah. It should be cheap because it is shitty. But, you know, they they got operating costs. But the, the problem with distilleries is when they're small like that is they come out the door. So the way you market, the way you price things in this industry is you go into the liquor store and you go, where do I want to be? Do I want to be sitting next to Maker's Mark? Do I want to be sitting right. next to Elijah Craig? Do I want to be in the bottom with the plastic? Whatever it is, I want to be here. You look at what's selling there, and you that's what your price is. But most stores in South Carolina will have a local section. Almost every store I go into, like, this this is all made in South Carolina. Yeah. At that point, it doesn't matter. I'm going to buy the cheapest one because I'm trying to support local. We do whis- whiskey tasting classes. I want to sell. I want to include one of those four whiskeys that we do will be a local brand. Yeah. Because I'm trying to help. Shout out to those and none of these brands. companies know that we're doing that, but one day they will. Um, one day I'll go in and cash in on that. But yeah, but but yeah, if you're buying lo- like local stuff, should be cheaper than because if you look at it as I can spend sixty dollars a month on whiskey as a lo- like it's their responsibility as a local distiller to know that if you're spending sixty dollars. I'm going to go buy something that I know is good as opposed to spending $60 on something that we right. all can agree is not good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't really see that all the time. No. It makes sense, though. I had something I was going to say. Oh, sweet tits. On the way. Sweet tits? Yeah. Isn't that random? On the way back from uh, the WLS dinner last week, did you happen to notice up in Anderson? It was either in Anderson or outside of Columbia. It was closer to Anderson, I'm pretty sure. It's a big billboard sign for, uh, I think it was Sweet Tits Distillery or Sweet Tits no, Bre- I would have Brewery that. or whatever. Is a huge sign, um, and the logo is like this, like a pinup girl with a tight shirt. I, I you asked Jessica, I pointed at it and laughed really hard. It was and she super was like, funny. Don't you look at that? No, she thought it was hilarious. Let me Google it. Sweet Tits Distillery, Sugar Tits, Sugar Tits. That's it. Yeah, Sugar Tits, Sweet Tits. Yeah, whatever. It's in Reedville, South Carolina. Yep. Sugar tit moonshine. Oh, this yeah, says a Sugar tit moonshine. Yep, that's it. This is actually pretty clever. If you aren't twenty one, you can't be here. Don't make us tell your mama. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Maybe we we'll reach out to him. bootleg one twenty. If that's one hundred and twenty proof, I'm in. Hmm. So Maybe that's something we go to visit. So I noticed there, there. I guess Palmetto Bourbon or Palmetto Palmetto uh, Stories and is up there. Is up, is up there um, as well as that. That place, I have developed the hiccups. <laughs> um, Are you drinking? No. Oh. Well, I don't know what's causing that. I don't know. But we should make it, we should, uh, now that the weather's warming up a little bit, and these places I'm assuming are going to start doing more tours, 
we should start seeing about scheduling and planning out, forecasting out some tours and seeing if anybody there would be willing to sit down and do a podcast. We'll bring the stuff there. Yeah. That'd be fun. I have, um, I'm working on one locally. That we'll okay. Into. Cool. All right. Next thing. Let's see. Uh, I think we talked about the majority. Let's see. Oh yeah. So I wrote this one. I don't want to get into this, but whiskey drinker, I'll just read what I wrote and then we'll move on. We don't okay. have to discuss this one. Whiskey drinkers that title themselves as whiskey drinkers or enthusiasts, yet they only use mis- mixers. Like it's okay to have cocktails. I love a co- I love a good cocktail. We make a lot of them. Yeah. But to say you're a bourbon snob or whatever, and you don't drink straight bourbon, I don't know. I got a problem with it. I don't mind casual whiskey drinkers doing the mixer thing, and I mind the like whiskey connoisseur drinking all their whiskeys in mixers. So if someone sure. wants to ease their way into whiskeys through using mixers, personally, I don't care. Yeah. But I would suggest starting with Jack Daniel and Jim Beam, and the reason why is because if you buy an expensive or a rare bottle and put any sort of mixer in it, there's someone like me out there that couldn't buy that bottle and enjoy it straight, and that that's the only thing that irritates me. Yeah, I get it. Like, that bottle was supposed to be enjoyed by someone like me, and then yeah. someone that's just getting into it sure. wasted it and mixed it with Mountain and, Dew. And like, like you do, or like I do, I'm sure you do as well, we both enjoy different types of cocktails. Yeah. Or, or mixers. Dude, I drink a lot of cocktails. I love cocktails. Depending on the mood I'm in. Yep. If it's hot and I'm outside, but maybe I'm grilling or I'm doing a low country boil, I like a big Yeti with Evan Williams or Jim Beam and, yeah. and Sprite. Yeah. I just what, do. We just talked about I just that. sip I on Sprite it. Sprite and bourbon um, all the time. Or, you know, Coke Zero, whatever's available. But just well, something. Sprite Zero now. <laughs> that's true. They do. You're right. Uh, but I I have certain bourbons that I keep on hand just for that. Yeah. Right. Well, like mint juleps. How many mint juleps have I had in my life? Uncountable. <laughs> I drink a ton of them. I love them. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. Right. Especially on a hot summer day. But anyway. Um, but on the other side of that, all whiskey should be drank neat. I don't agree with that either. Yeah, no, I don't either. Yeah, that's... that's and another. I actually, I, that's, I had it written down was uh, people dictating to other people how they should drink their whiskey. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. I don't well, that's get it. what Michael said too. I don't, I also, so I, uh, I was in a bar, um, once with Jessica and she probably doesn't remember this, but a lady ordered whiskey neat and the bartender like more or less told her that she couldn't handle that neat. Like as a bartender, okay. just like what you were taking discussing earlier, told as a, Jessica as a, that. No, 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 another oh. lady. And I, I, I happen to. So order. If somebody told Andy that, I'd be like, shot for shot, see who wins. Yeah, because <laughs> Andy will fucking make you go home. Uh, like that chick from Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's funny. Um, but I just remember that that going back and forth, and he kind of gave her a hard time, and then eventually gave her what she asked for. But like as a bartender, your job is to answer questions. If someone has questions, but other than that. Give people what they order. Yep. Right? Um, I just thought that was kind of crappy, but also uh, there was one more. Oh, shipping. And and I guess really it's it's the whole alcohol distribution laws in general uh, really annoy me. But the fact that we can get stuff shipped here, other states can't get sh- things shipped. It's 2021. Like I can have an entire – I can furnish my entire house – and all of my groceries and your guns and my guns and everything online as long as I have 
an, an address, yep, the right uh, payment options and proof and of identity, and you, and you sign to. for it if you need to. Yeah. You can have anything delivered to your house. You can buy an empty, completely bare house, get the keys, walk in, use your cellular service to order everything you need, including someone to come set up your internet and never have to leave your house. But yet my neighbor or friend in another state can't get a bottle of whiskey delivered to his house. It just drives me nuts. Which is funny to me that of all the places you think whiskey would not be allowed to be like delivered online. Right. South Carolina's on that list. But yet here we are. I can order whatever I want and have it shipped to my door. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like it's it's states that you would never think. Like maybe we should do a podcast on states. That'd be fun to do like a demographic of the state, political leaning and if or if they cannot have whiskey delivered to their door. See if there's any correlation. Yeah, just see what we can. Correlation doesn't mean causation, but True. it does make for an interesting conversation. Yeah, it it's enough, uh, in some circles, it's enough to... It's enough to put someone kind of, in jail. That kind of evidence is enough to base entire yeah. riots on, so... Yeah, it's fine. We'll spend with it. It's enough <laughs> to put uh, to put someone on, on death row. That's true. Evidence, that's what's funny about evidence. It's like hearsay can be evidence, but hearsay can't be evidence. Doesn't matter. That has nothing to do with this podcast. But yeah, but yeah, shipping is definitely a pet peeve. So I had one um, hunting pet peeve that I wanted to bring up. All right, it's public land. So if your grandpa went out to this tree and this wildlife management area and put up a tree stand or put a climber and locked it to the tree in 1950. <laughs> you know, he hunted his whole life. Your dad hunted your whole life. Now you hunt it. Yep. And I show up an hour before you and climb up in the tree next to it. You have a problem with it. Yeah. That's a pet peeve. I don't think that you should be able to lock a stand there. Granted, I understand carrying it in and out. What's the likelihood of someone going to that stand? I get all that. But to say that's my tree? Yeah. She used to wear a, hurt, a shirt that said public landowner. Yeah. Which we all are. If Still you pay taxes, it, yeah. you're a public landowner. So to say that this is your tree on this public land, yeah, huge pet peeve of mine. I almost want to hunt it out of spite. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's... Um, and that's coming from a guy that has a tree stand locked on a tree in a national forest. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say it's... DNR allows that. You're allowed to put up yeah. a, a a stand and yep. leave it there for well, the I season. You're supposed to take it out, whatever. But to your to your point, I agree. Doesn't make you owner of that area. And if someone beats you to that spot, well, tough shit, man. And all you're doing, if you if you berate that individual, give them a hard time about hunting there, all you're doing is you're is making an enemy. Well, that and you're validating yeah, that they're right. they're in the right area. If you're willing to fight that much for it, yep. Fine, I'll get down out of the stand right next to you, and I'm going to move 50 yards down where I can still kill a deer. Yep. Like I won't do it just to because I'm just not that person. But it irritates me. It's a pet peeve that people do it. Yeah. Like if if I walk up on if there's a truck at my where I have mine at if there's a truck there, I don't go in there. I go somewhere. Right. Now I'm hunting on the ground because I don't know my stand is <laughs> attached to this tree or it's a climber, but, but it's also been three years since I've been there and I don't even know for sure that I can find it. So now I'm littering in the national forest and got a stand chained to a tree, but either way, two years, been two years. 
So let me do this. Cajun boy. Cafe. Did you eat dinner? Did I eat dinner? Yeah. Uh, no, I have not had dinner. Are you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. Cafe Rue food truck. They got beignets, alligator bites, jambalaya, uh, crawfish, boudin, balls, not the actual boudin. Chicken sausage gumbo, po, po boy, smash burger, Cajun fried crispy sandwich. I don't know. Do you want to? Uh, they're right here. Oh, at the front of your neighborhood? Yeah. Uh, yes. All right. Cool. We can leave this in. This is a good conversation. This is great conversation. This is riveting. Yeah. Um, you want to get one of everything? <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that sounds delicious. Yeah, we'll drive up there when we're done. Okay. Um, Do you have any more? Those are everything that I had. I think the only other one I had, we kind of touched on everything. Um, inconsiderate hunters. So like being super yeah. loud and obnoxious, whether you're entering or exiting. Like uh, all the times you've yelled at me for blasting my music when it wasn't me. <laughs> Or just like, like if you know people are already in the woods and you got to drive by there, like maybe slow the fuck down a little bit, or maybe, yeah. or maybe just grab your backpack and take a walk. Yeah. Like you, you, just walk. Like the prop, at least the property where we hunt, it's not that big. You can drive part of the way, but you can pretty much walk anywhere you need to on that oh, property, yeah. especially if people are already in the woods. Well, like my stand, I picked that area because it was the end. There's nothing there. <laughs> Yet no. my trail camera has everyone there that has a side-by-side. My trail camera has pictures of them driving by my stand. Yeah. I get it in off-season. Even then, not really. There's nothing there. That club, It's a hunting club, not a four-wheeling club. You know. But I get True. it. I'm on a main road, and up until last year, that road was closed. Right. So now I, it's okay, but the past like three years, people driving by my stand, I, that's a, to me that's inconsistent. Yeah, and the, the joy riding during deer season—that's a huge yeah. pet peeve. And they're like, "Oh, the laws say two hours before sunset." Yeah, okay. but common sense and courtesy <laughs> yeah. says just not to. Where's your stand? Because I'm going to get a dirt bike and I'm going to go put a jump in front of it, and I'm going to go jumps until two hours before sunset. <laughs> Build a skateboard vert ramp and just. Oh yeah, I put a DJ booth out there, just wiki wiki <laughs> all day. Just make sure you close two hours before sunset. Uh, the deer don't care what you do until then. If and I, oh, this is a pet peeve. Uh, deer are used to tractors. Okay. <laughs> if you drive that tractor on a weekly basis, maybe. Yeah. Well, even then, have you ever driven past a deer on a tractor and it like picked its paw up and waved? Hey, what's up, bro? I know you're not here to kill me. You're just farming. No, they're yeah. still gonna run away. So usually, you know. yeah. I have seen I have seen turkeys follow a tractor eating behind it. Well, that's different because they're seeding. It's funny though. It's funny to watch. I've never seen that, but, but we should go uh, seed a field with a shotgun. During, oh, we got a turkey hunt, bro. We're yeah, we time. really do need a turkey hunt. What's between fucking work and work and jobs and work? It's yeah. like the weekend gets here, and I'm like, last weekend we were gone. I'm going to be gone this weekend. Well, we're going to have to double down on. Next weekend, I'm actually home. So next next weekend, Andy's parents will be in town, but her dad is a hunter. Maybe oh, really? He'd be interested in going. I film you two hunting. Maybe we put him on a turkey. That'd be cool. He's an early riser. He's a 4 a.m. kind of guy. Is he? Yeah. So maybe we. I'll take him turkey. Well, let's do that. If let's take wanna, him turkey hunting. If we want to guarantee we get him on a turkey, so I'm an okay, I'm the world's okayest hunter. Yeah, I like, think it's an Instagram page. Super okay at hunting. Um, I could probably get us within gobbling distance of a turkey, but to guarantee I'll get one to come in, I don't know. But we could, 
I know someone we could contact who I think if we explain what we were doing. Let's see if we could do this for him. He's a good dude. Would be willing to to do that. I think Joe Nichols would enjoy calling in a turkey for him. Let's see if we can take him, see if he can call in with our call. Okay. That'd be I'll, great, man. I'll he would to, love that because, he, like I said, to, he's up at 4 a.m. Yeah, let's talk to Joe this week and see if he's up for it. And if, um, do you think her dad would prefer a blind or kind of a... He just got eye surgery, so he's twenty twenty. He's a he's, he's, he's a ready fucking to fucking eagle, rock and roll, dude, yeah, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you probably see better than those, those turkeys. <laughs> you see better than I can. Eagle eyes, and um, and I got a shot. Well, I don't know that I have turkey load, but I'm sure you do. I have turkey load, and I have. Um, well, you bring the gun, and, and I'll bring him. Okay. I just telling to bring some clothes. He probably don't want to shoot out of a blind. If I had to guess, he's a woodsman. He don't. Okay, wanna... how old is he? I don't know. All right, sixties. He can get around. He's so good. He can, he can walk around. He's not. Yeah, gonna... he's good. He's okay. fine. He can he can tramp through the woods. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's text Joe this week and see if if he's busy next weekend and try to get him on a turkey. That'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun, and I'll film it, and it'd be a good time. Okay. Cool. Uh, so that's all the pet peeves I felt like talking today. Yeah, that's all I've got as well. And it's I, another pet peeve of mine is when people try to drag on a podcast longer than is necessary. So yeah, what are we at? Uh, one minute. One hour, one <laughs> an hour and eleven minutes. Yeah, I think that's a good podcast. That's a that's a workout. That's yeah, it's a, a good work workout. It's a good run unless you're a green beret and you run for hours a day. Do we know one of those? Yeah, you probably think he goes on jogs with his rifle. You think he sleeps with his rifle? I don't know. I bet he sleeps with it. Oh, no, I won't come out yet. I'll do it on the next one. I got him a little a little surprise. It's real nice. Our buddy made it for him. Okay. The um. The guy that was doing the wood stuff for it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got him making something for him. Cool. I just texted. Nice. I just texted him today. Actually, to, let uh, me let me get a. Oh, he actually he actually we talked about that today. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I sent him the specs for that and explained what I needed size wise so we can get a new product coming soon. <laughs> we gotta buy. We let me gotta, show you what I had made. Oh, that's dope. Doesn't that look good? Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, he's gonna like it. Yeah, he's gonna like that a lot. That's cool. How big is that? I don't know. Probably. I think it was 21 inches tall. Nice. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, uh when I was there checking out his shop, he's got all he had all kinds of projects going on. He's 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 got a good thing, good little thing going on. I like it. Yeah, he does. Um so I'm, I'm hoping he can set us up with that jig. It should be pretty easy. Yeah, I, I cuz he asked more about it and I explained to him today exactly what we need. Yeah. So I sent him a it. picture of the the back with the measurements and explained that those measurements are what they are and I need like a little bit I I sent him the exact numbers, but basically I need that shape yeah, with those spacing. measurements, but a little bit bigger. And I said, I told him exactly how much bigger on the outside. Um, so hopefully we can start cranking those things out and we can an- announce, yeah, this, announce a new product. Soon. This new product for the bourbon whiskey people, we've been saving up pieces to make this. So yeah. We got a bunch of pieces to make this specific thing. You're going to like it. And it's going to be decently cheap. Um, another product that I'm working on is one that we've sort of mentioned in the past. Um, I got some hardware for it. I'm going to run the route of using this hardware um, as the mounting device, mounting piece. Yep. If it becomes popular enough that we're churning them out enough, then I'll invest in more pieces and parts to make another jig and use the keyhole router bit. It's just yeah. not worth it right now um, unless it starts to really sell, but it's the, um, bow it's, it's the bow hanger. Yeah. So um, I have, I mean, I'll buy one. Well, I was, I'm going to give you the first one to hang up and hang your bow on and get some, some photographs and stuff, yeah. and we'll, we'll use it um, as such and maybe post some pictures and get some feedback. Um, and then I have an idea to do 
another one horizontally with multiple hangers on it. Um, I saw a picture of a guy using a, like just like a coat rack with little dowels sticking out to hang all his bows. And I was like, well, that would look cool if that was whiskey a whiskey stave maybe. instead. Yeah. So, um, and I got a handful of other things. I, I sat down the other night and had a whiskey and just brainstormed ideas. Um, and so I have a couple others that I'm toying around with how to, how to make them work. Well, we have a lot of stuff that we do. It's just the shipping side of it. A lot of it's, I mean, whiskey staves aren't light and they're not small. Yeah. So in order to have stuff that we can sell easily, because everything that we sell, we, you pay shipping for. Um, and just so y'all know, like you're paying what it costs to ship. And yeah, if you're paying what it costs to ship some of these bigger items, it's a lot of money. So if it's, right. if it's 50 bucks and you go in there and it, it costs you $20 to ship it, you're like, these guys are ripping me off. Well, so, it's just the cost of doing business. Like, yeah. so there's so a lot we, of stuff we don't sell. We have stuff that. like some of the furniture pieces, like that. Those, yeah, I got those lamps, those lamps over right here. Um, I saw, I saw some versions of that that were smaller to sit like on a, like on a desk. Yeah, I thought a half stave damp, uh, yeah, desk light, would like be cool. like that. Um, so we we have ideas and things that we're capable of doing. Um, it's just, it seems somewhat unfeasible to ask people to pay that much for shipping. Yeah. But also. We don't know unless we try, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, we could also increase prices so that the shipping is not as bad. But yeah, but that's even true. then, it's I mean, you're paying for it no matter what. It's like, yeah, maybe that's something you reach out to us and let us know. If something's seventy bucks and costs thirty dollars to ship, does it piss you off as opposed to something that's eighty bucks and costs ten dollars to ship? Yeah, you know. Or is is that device is that product a hundred dollars free shipping? Yeah, yeah, that free too. free two day shipping or whatever it is yep. is that are you willing to pay? Cause you know what I mean? Like a custom piece of furniture or lamp like that. Someone may not balk at that price. If yep. it's shipped to your door, that includes shipping. So something to think about, and it's just a, it's a piece of logistics that we have not had time to, to work on because we're already kind of stretched thin with time and, yeah. and our other obligations and space. Um, you know, every time Matt gets a, a shipment of torches or other stuff, I get a text, of him pissed off at nine thirty at night reorganizing his office yeah. because there's boxes and glasses all over the place. Yeah, I have a full. I have an a room, a bedroom. Yeah, it's my office, and three quarters of it is whiskey and white. And then this closet, <laughs> my downstairs closet where I keep my beach gear and like my waiters are in there. Yeah. It's full of Glencairn glasses. I mean, stacked. Well, if it makes you feel any better, half of my garage since October of last year has been nothing but staves, and I don't think I own a single hoodie or pair of jeans. It's that I can ruined. put my put my hands in and not find sawdust or pieces oh, yeah. of wood. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I and and I only have uh, Jessica picked me up a pair of jeans today that I asked for. That and one other pair are the only I have five or six pairs of jeans. Those are the only two that do not have oil or uh, char stains all yeah. over the front of it. But it is what it is. It is what it is. That's a pet peeve. That's saying. Yeah, me too. Cool. Yep. All right. All right, until next time, folks, thanks for joining. We'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Holla. Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.